season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. podcast my name is jay shrigling and i'm the host we got the final episode of this weekend episode number four of four of week two of the arkansas stick series we got going on i'm excited to bring this interview to you today like i said some great content already this week got some more great content here today great story by this guy today 2023 lsu baseball commit mj sayal to he's going to be a top top draft pick potentially in this upcoming draft here in 2023 um, but just digging into his story just a little bit him and his brother mj who is also committed who is committed to vanderbilt for the class of 2025 they moved from korea both at very young ages moved to canada now play texas high school ball um, so just a cool story there. We dig into that a little bit. Uh, we also dig into his advisor selection process, what's it's, what it's like playing Texas high school baseball, because we all know, like I've said here in the past, Texas high school baseball is just built different. Uh, we dig into the Arkansas sticks and what his relationship is like with Coach Brewster. I'm um, also kind of compare that to when his playing days playing for USA Prime, another top tier uh, travel ball organization within the United States. Uh, we talk about the upcoming draft and what his mindset is on that as well. Um, so just dig into his entire career so far. Really enjoyed today's episode. I believe you guys are going to, too, here as we wrap up week number two. Um, but let's just dig into it. Hope you guys enjoy it. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Arkansas Sticks two-way player, top 100, 2023 MLB draft prospect, and 2023 LSU baseball commit. MJ Sayal on the show. MJ, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on here. Hey, of course, I appreciate you coming on the show. Glad to have you part of this Arkansas Stick series I'm doing here with Coach Brewster. Um, but here, before we do get started digging into career, got one question I, I kind of like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, which is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is MJ Sayal? Um. You know, on the on the baseball field, we'll start there. Um, I'm a I'm a two way player, as you said. Um, I pitch and I also hit. Um, I play uh, in the middle infield, so second base, shortstop, but I can pretty much play anywhere in the infield. Um, I'm a pretty versatile player. Um, I, I think I like to think I take good approaches in the box. Um, just kind of a gap to gap hitter. Um, and on the mound, you know, um, I, th- I throw pretty hard. You know, I like to I like to g- get at it with guys and kind of just go. Um, you know, just be aggressive on the on, on the mound and kind of the same way on the on the on the field as well. So, just an overall baseball player, and I I just love to compete out there. Awesome. Um. So before we dig into kind of your recruiting process and all that, I do got one question for you. So I was listening watching that all American all American prospects video with you. I think it was like a day in the life of you and your brother. Um. So from from that video, I I took from it that you were born in Korea, moved to Canada, and then to Texas. So can you take us through that little story real quick? Yeah, so I was uh, I was originally born in Korea, and then I think when I was yeah, when I was five, we moved to Canada. So in twenty twenty ten, um, we moved there, and then that's kind of where my my love for the for baseball started, and just kind of playing sports growing up. 
Um, and they kind of just born or kind of well born in Korea and they're raised in, in Canada. Um, and then we moved to Texas in 2016. Um, and then, yeah, just been living here ever since. And it's been, it's been great. It's been a pretty awesome journey so far. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been, you were in Canada for a while and now been in Texas now for six, seven years. Uh, what's kind of some of the biggest differences that you've seen just culture wise and overall just living in, I mean, especially two different countries, but I mean, Texas is a pretty, uh, pretty different compared to the up north of even North America. So kind of take us through uh, that, that culture difference and overall, like what, what li- the living styles like um, in both places. Yeah. I mean, you know, the weather's a lot different there, obviously, but um, it's, it's, it's a pretty different vibe. I would say um, in Canada, it's, it's pretty chill, relaxed, um, you know, pretty, I wouldn't say a slow life, but it's, you know, everything's just really, really down to earth. And then here it's uh it's a bit more busy. Um, the schedule's gotten obviously a lot, a um, lot busier as I got older, but um, super competitive baseball here. Not as much competitiveness in baseball there, which, which is why I probably like live in Texas more, but yeah, just totally different places, but they're both great places to live. Yeah. So Plano, Texas, where exactly, where exactly is that on the Texas map? Uh, it's, uh, it's North of Dallas. So North Texas, and then probably about 25 minutes North downtown Dallas. Oh, that, I mean, that's not bad at all. So when you're, when you're wanting to go do cool things, like probably Dallas is the place you like to go Dallas, Fort Worth. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I might watch like a Rangers game or a Cowboy game in Arlington, which is like a 30 minute drive. And it's kind of pretty close to everywhere. So it's good. Yeah. So you a big Rangers guy? Um, not, not necessarily. I, I mean, I just like to go watch in the new stadium. But I'm a Dodger fan growing up, so. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that new Globe, Globe Life Park or Globe Life Field, whatever it is, I mean, that is – I went and toured that this past spring, and that place is legit. Like, that is a pretty awesome stadium. But um, from that – for also from that video, I saw that you have a couple tattoos. So can you kind of take us through and dig, uh, dig into maybe what the meanings are behind those tattoos? Yeah, the one on my, uh, on my wrist is May, uh, May 14, 2010, which is the day we moved from, uh, from Korea to Canada. And it was just, uh, it's very meaningful, you know, just looking back on all the sacrifices my parents have made for us, uh, me and my brother, um, just giving us new opportunities and kind of, we kind of left all our, all our other family behind in Korea, um, like our aunts, uncles, grandparents, and they're, they're all, you know, big, big, uh, big part of my life. So just to remember, you know, all the people that have sacrificed for us, um, for, to give us a better life here and kind just help us pursue our dreams. It's always just a good reminder of that. So I got it last year. And uh, yeah, I love it. Awesome. awesome, that's a great. So I'm 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 a big tattoo guy, and I'm I've always been a big believer of if you get a tattoo, it's got to have some good meaning behind it. And definitely, that is that is one one hell of a meaning. But uh, let's let's dig into the recruiting process a little bit to where what ends you up at LSU. Um, so when did that recruiting process start for you, and when did you start getting noticed by some Division One teams? Yeah, I mean, so my freshman year of high school. Um, I, I committed to play at the university of Arizona and it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, I was getting a lot of offers, but, um, it wasn't kind of like all over the place. Like it did, it was last year when I reopened my recruiting process. Um, but you know, my freshman year, obviously, you know, talked to a lot of colleges, got to just get to know all the coaching staffs, um, from different programs and Johnson, um, and the rest of the coaching staff there, but, um, Coach Johnson, he left for LSU, um, I think last year, last year in June, July. So I, uh, I decommitted and just wanted to reopen my recruiting process and kind of just, uh, I didn't follow him to LSU right away. I kind of just reopened everything and just to see how everything was going to go. And, you know, got a lot of offers, just got a lot of different looks everywhere. And 
um, took a couple visits, um, you know, to, and then my last three were, were Arkansas, uh, LSU and then Vanderbilt. And then, uh, I just decided on LSU. I thought it was the best fit after going on my visit. It just felt like home. So, yeah. So, you, yeah. so when you were going through that initial recruiting process where you did it at, at Arizona, uh, what was it that you saw in that, that university that made you commit there to begin with? Uh, I think it was just uh, the coaches were obviously a big part of it. We were just, I mean, I was talking to the head coach every, every week um, along with the recruiting coordinator. So we had a good, really good relationship and it was through COVID. So it was, uh, they couldn't really come out and watch me, but they still, you know, we talked every day and then, you know, um, just built a good relationship. And I just loved how um, it was in the PAC 12. I really liked the PAC 12 because it's the West coast. And I was, I grew up in Canada, which was uh, the West coast. Um, so then, you know, I, I mean, I love to, I love hitting, and I thought they had one of the best offenses at the country in college baseball. So, that, re- that really opened my eyes as well. So, when you were getting recruiting, were all these schools kind of recruiting you as a two-way player, or there's some schools that were like, "Hey, if you do come here, we want you to be PO or even a, just a position player only." Uh no, I think every every school I talked to, they all uh, wanted me as a two-way player. Okay, um, so you said that during the um in the second kind of recruiting process, once you decommitted from Arizona. Um, a lot of schools started reaching out, got a lot of offers. Um, so what was that like actually decommitting to Arizona? And how long was it before schools started reaching back out to you again? Uh, I think as, as soon as I, I decommitted from Arizona, I got um, – I talked to a lot of colleges right away. Um, and it kind of just – it was it was really fast in the breeding process then. It was uh, just a lot of – like tons of phone calls, like six, seven, eight phone calls every day. And it was just getting super busy. Um, so – but I just I slowed things down a little bit, and after Jupiter, I committed. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty busy process last year. Okay. For sure. So how would how would you compare that initial recruiting process? That how would you compare that initial recruiting process that ended you up at Arizona compared to after you decommitted and uh, you yeah you ended up recommitting to LSU? Like, was there a big difference there, or was it kind of the same when it came just the conversations with coaches and stuff like that? I um, mean, it, it was a little different because it was. My first time going through the recruiting process with Arizona, it was during COVID, so couldn't take visits or anything like that. But um, last year, I took a lot of visits and really got to see everybody in person and talk to everybody um, and just go go to go to all the campuses and watch football games and all that. So it was a little different for sure. Yeah. So when you were going through it that second time, what were some of the what were some of the key things that you were looking for, uh, maybe within a coaching staff or just the university in general? Uh, I mean, I would say <clears throat> I think the the vibe between a player and a coach is very important. I think it just kind of like, you just kind of know if, it, if it's going to work out or not. Um, and then just kind of looking at the history of the school and kind of like um, what kind of players they've produced in the past. Cause at the end of the day, my goal is to be a major league baseball player. So that was, that's, that was huge. And um, obviously LSU, they've produced a ton. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was just, there was a lot of things, but uh, I would say it was just kind of like a feeling thing and kind of just knowing, you know, where, um, cause at the end of the day, you're kind of looking for a next home. So, um, it just felt right with LSU. Yeah. So you said your top three, uh, your top three on the second recruiting, the second recruiting process before you went to LSU was Arkansas, LSU, Vandy. I believe I heard that right. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So kind of compare those three schools and what was going through your mind at each one, like the pros cons of going there. And what was it that just put, like, what was that moment that just put LSU on top? Uh, I honestly wouldn't say there's a lot of cons of all three schools. I mean, they're all really, really great schools with really awesome coaching staffs. Um, I think it was just, I mean, it was a super hard decision at the end. Um, it, it came down to LSU and Vandy at the end and it was like, I couldn't even sleep the past, the, like the next, uh, two days before I committed. 
but it was just, you know, talking to, you know, my family a lot and the, my coaches I trust and all that. So um, it just kind of came to like the, like a feeling thing at the end. Um, and yeah, it just came out to LSU, but it was, uh, it was super close and it was um, a very tough decision to make as all, all schools are um, top, top tier programs. So it, was, it was difficult, but it was uh, I feel like I made the right decision so far. So after, so after you knew that LSU was going to be just that, that slight edge over Vandy, how long was it that you actually committed, told the coaching staff, told the public? How long was it after you, you knew in your mind that LSU was the place to go? Uh, probably, about, probably about a week, I would say. Just a week of just kind of just sitting on it and kind of thinking. Okay. So I take it you said you've been a couple football games. So what's, what, what's Baton Rouge like? What was that visit like uh, when you were down there in Baton Rouge? Oh, I didn't watch a football game in Baton Rouge. You saw a scrimmage. But uh, I went to the TCU-Texas game. That was cool. Um, yeah, probably the TCU-Texas game, probably the best one. But Baton Rouge, we saw a baseball scrimmage, which was cool because there were – I think it was a couple thousand people at a scrimmage there in the fall. So that was definitely cool. Yeah. yeah the the SEC, ba- SEC baseball is just built different. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. But uh, now that you've committed, like, have you built any relationships with some other LSU commits that are going to be going there these next couple of years? Yeah, I think – I mean, I've kind of grown up playing with a lot of the guys that are committed to LSU. Um, and we have, like, a group chat going with all the all the commits. Um, yeah, I mean, I get to just kind of see them around the summer circuit and all that. So, I know a lot of them. And it's just it's just cool to know that you're going to be playing with those guys for the next couple of years. Yeah. So, who are some of the guys that you know the most just from travel ball and just the summer circuit? Uh, like, guys that are committed to LSU or just guys in general? Oh, guy, guys who committed to LSU. Oh, uh, I mean, just, just guys like Cam Johnson, uh, Jake Brown. Uh, Blake Mitchell. I mean, kind of, the list. I mean, all of them basically. I know all of them pretty well. And we're pretty close. Yeah. So, okay, take us through this relationship you had with the LSU coaching staff. So, obviously, I mean, it had to be a good relationship already for you actually to commit there over Arkansas and Vandy. Uh, but just overall, what what's that relationship like, and how's it evolved um, since you've committed? Uh, I mean, it's been. I mean, I've known Coach Johnson since I was a freshman in high school, so I've known him for a long time, and I think I think he was the first coach that I actually ever talked to, college coach I ever talked to. So. Um, you know, he kind of just kind of took a chance on me when I when not many people knew me. Um, you know, three years ago, so I'm um, definitely appreciative of that, and just kind of just getting to talk to him and just kind of getting to know him better as well. It's just been awesome to kind of get going. Yeah. So, so from your side of things, when Coach Johnson was recruiting you from Arizona compared to when he was recruiting you to LSU, was there a difference there? Or did he kind of did he kind of have the same strategy about recruiting you? You think in your in your side of things? I mean, I think it was I think it was the same. I think he's. I mean, he's he's a great, uh, great coach. I mean, he's just kind of, I mean, he's he's kind of kind of guy you just want to play for in general. So, yeah. um, I don't think the school really had made a difference there, but it was just, I mean, he was this guy I want to play for. Yeah. All right. So let's let's transition a little bit. Let's go talk about the Arkansas sticks. Let's talk about travel ball a little bit. Obviously, this is how we got connected through Coach Brewster. Um, so just talking about the Arkansas sticks. How did you first get connected with them and Coach Brewster? Ah, uh, let me think. I think, I mean, I've always known about the Arkansas sticks. Um. Last like a year and a half, maybe two years ago, and they were you know a super cool team, and I think it was one time I think I reached out to Coach Brewster to see if I can play for him, um, and I did, and I ended up playing in Jupiter last year, and it's been it's been the most fun team I've ever played for so far. I mean the the coaching staff there is pretty pretty unreal with Coach Brewster and Coach Kenny and Coach Abreu, um, Coach Landers. I mean those guys are all have had so much experience in, in in baseball, and they just you know they're just great guys to be around. So it's been awesome just to kind of play for them and. I uh, can't wait for Jupiter this year. 
Yeah. So so before you played for the Arkansas Sticks, you played for USA Prime. I'm not sure if you played for any other travel ball teams, but that's just what I saw was USA Prime. Uh, so both both are great programs uh, when it comes to the summer circuit. But what are some of the big differences that you see between USA Prime and the Arkansas Sticks? Yeah, I mean, like you said, they're both great, you know, programs and great, you know, organizations and all that. But uh, I think with the Sticks, it's more like a like a tight family. I would say. I mean, it was like that, like with Prime too. You know, not throwing shade or anything, but um, but yeah, I think here it's just I think a lot of guys have kind of like grown up playing with each other. Uh, I mean, I joined last year, so I didn't know these guys, you know, three, four, or five years ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, they're both great. Uh, I mean, you know, great organizations and just great to play for, both of them. So so you started playing for them last year in Jupiter. So how long did it take you to build those relationships with some of those players, like Trip Landers, Jet Johnston, some of those other guys who were on that 23 Arkansas 6 team? Uh, what was kind of like your first uh, interaction with some of those guys and how have you built those relationships so far this past summer? Um, I think just, I think from the moment we, I played on last year, it was a good relationship. Um, and it just kind of just clicked right away. Just kind of, cause we're all competitive guys. We want to win and we want to win together as a team. So, um, I mean that, that just kind of clicked right away, but just kind of getting to play with these guys more and more throughout the summer. Um, it's been great. And the relationship's only gotten stronger. Yeah. So with you being an insider of both of these programs, USA prime and the Arkansas Sticks. What do you think's led to the success of both of these programs? Because like we said earlier, I mean, USA Prime's constantly producing SEC, Big Ten, ACC talent. So are the Arkansas Sticks. So uh, just with you being an insider, uh, kind of take us through both programs on what you think is the reason they're so successful. Uh, I think it's just – I think it's pretty just the coaches. I think both teams have great coaches and um, just kind of coaches that people want to play for. And they just kind of – all the great players, I think they just come back and just want to want to play with them, and I think that just kind of just uh, like the cycle keeps going on. So I think that's what makes both these organizations so special. Yeah. So you talk you talk about the coaches. Obviously, Coach Brewster's kind of the face of the Arkansas Sticks, well-known guy, just started his own show here a couple of weeks ago. Um, so what is your relationship with Coach Brewster? Like how, how did it start and how has it evolved over this past summer playing for him? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been great. I think um, the moment I played for him in Jupiter last year, I was like, yeah, this guy is definitely the guy I want to play for, for, for you know, next summer, and that's what happens. So, um, I mean, he, he's been great. I mean, I've uh, I talked to him quite a bit. Um, you know, I'll just ask him questions, you know, not even just baseball-related, just here and there, and then, you know, just see how he's doing and all that. And whenever I play for him and I get to see him in person, um, you know, he's just a good, really, really awesome dude. So I'm very appreciative of him. Yeah. So getting the chance to play for all these great, great coaches, obviously playing there at Texas High School Ball, playing for USA Prime and Arkansas Sticks. Who do you think's been the most the the, first, the most couple? Sorry, how am I going to word this? Who has been the couple most influential people in your baseball career so far? Uh, like just like like all separate, like just like the most just, just a handful, of, just, just a handful of guys who have been the most influential people um in your baseball career. Oh, um, I mean, my my family would probably be first. Um, but like just like coaches in the baseball world, probably definitely just the Arkansas Sticks. I mean, those guys over the past year have been my family and my brother as well. Um, and just kind of like the, all the coaches that I've kind of just grown up playing for, I think they've all had different impacts on my life um, in a different way, which has all been great. And, you know, my high school coach is great as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it kinda, everybody that I've played for so far have all left a really good impact on me. Yeah. So you talked about your brother there, to class of 2025, going to Vandy. Um, so when he was going through that recruiting process, did he – how long after he, you committed to LSU did he commit to Vandy? 
Uh, he committed the day before I announced my commitment to LSU. Okay. So ha- have you gotten the chance to play um, with him here these past, this past summer? Obviously, he's two years behind you, but do you guys get the chance to play amongst each other sometimes? Oh, yeah. He, uh, he, he played on, on uh, the Arkansas Stakes with, uh, uh, in Jupiter last year for us. He was playing three years up in Jupiter last year, and then he played all summer with, uh, with this Arkansas Stakes this summer as well. Oh, okay. So what's that? What's that like? Uh, just playing with your playing with your brother, playing top notch baseball, playing up against some of the best talent in the United States. Uh, what's that like playing alongside your brother? And just what's that bond that you guys have been able to build and uh, grow upon just playing ball together? Uh, I think it's been great because I see him every day. I see all the work he puts in um, that no one really sees. So just kind of just watching him compete against guys who are two, three years older, um, and not just regular guys that are two, three years older, but some of the best players. Um, Kind of just see him compete against those guys. I mean, it makes really makes me proud. Yeah, because um, sure. the other way he puts in, it's 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 awesome. Yeah. So you so besides playing for the Arkansas Sticks this summer, you also you also got to be a part of the USA uh, PDP experience. So kind of take us through that. What was that like? How did you find out that you were invited? And what what overall? What was that day to day like playing at the PDP? Yeah, um, I got the I got a phone call in in May, early May, and you know they told me that I, I made the PDP. Um, the PDP roster. So um, that was obviously cool. It was one of the events that, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a part of. Um, so that was definitely a cool moment. But I think just going there and kind of just, we were just there for 10 days and it was like a really um, tight schedule, like 6 a.m. breakfast um, at the field for like six, seven hours a day, um, playing games, coming back at six, seven o'clock at night, and then kind of just doing it all over again for 10 days. Um, it really just kind of, I really learned how to manage my time there um, and just kind of being around all the top players and top 100 players and on one on hotel, um, just kind of all traveling together and learning from all the great coaches I had there. It's, it was probably the most fun experience I had in my life so far playing baseball. Yeah. So when you have all those great coaches that, that are at USA PDP, I mean, I believe there's like Troy, LaTroy Hawkins, some other guys people have mentioned here in the past. Uh, but when you're around guys like that, what are you doing to try to pick their brain? Obviously, with them being major league ball players in the past, uh, what well, just what are some questions that you have for them and what are the ways that you're trying to pick their brain? Yeah, I mean, so my my coach at PDP, like our team coach, uh, was Lance Bertman, and he's one of the best hitters of all time. So I'm um, just getting to talk to him a lot. I mean, every day, um, you know, just, you know, if I had a ba- bad AB, you know, I go, I go talk to him and see, like, what, what, what did you see and what did I, I could have done differently, how to read pictures, you know, what to sit on, you know, what different counts in the, in the, when I'm hitting. Um, and then pitching as well. I mean, we had, you know, really, really awesome pitching coaches there. Um, just knowing, you know, how to execute these pitches, um, just learning, you know, different grips here and there, kind of just learning different things, which is all just kind of just fine tuning all parts of my game there, which is awesome. Yeah. So how would you compare that PDP experience to the area code experience you had kind of at the end of summer before school started? Uh, I think it was a little different because PDP, you're, you're just there for 10 days um, and you're all just kind of moving together. But area codes, you kind of move on your own schedule and you have a game, you have one game every day. But I mean, I think it was it was cool because I think before PDP, it was before the 2022 draft. So the main focus wasn't on us yet. So they were I mean, there were a lot of scouts there, but it wasn't like area code. It was area code was packed. It was like 500 scouts there. It was something crazy like that. So a little different experience, but both really, really special for sure. Yeah. So when you when you're playing in front of those scouts, how do you kind of like block that out of your mind to kind of just think about baseball and not worry about all the scouts in the stands? Um, I mean, I don't I don't really. Uh, that doesn't really bother me at all. I mean, I just, I play, 
I play the same either way, whether there's, you know, 500 scouts back there or there's no one back there. I mean, I feel like I play the same once I get on the baseball field. So it doesn't really affect me at all, but it's obviously really cool playing in front of all those people for sure. Yeah. So I take it with, with you being a 2023 MLB draft prospect, like if scouts now that now, now that the 2022 MLB draft is over with, have scouts started to talk to you a little bit more or does that, is this going to happen here this fall as you roll into um, your senior year in the spring? Yeah. I mean, I've talked to, you know, the area scouts in our area. Um, I'm playing, there's a, it's, it's a scout league with, with the Blue Jays scout team, which is run by a couple of area scouts in our area. So I get to see them every Wednesday. So I, I talk to them and um, yeah, it's been great. Kind of even bl- building a relationship with scouts, which has been really cool for sure. Yeah. So when you're having those conversations with some of those area scouts, like how do those conversations usually go? Like what are the scouts asking you? What are they telling you? Like how, what, what are those conversations like with some of those area scouts? Honestly, I think we don't even really talk baseball, I'd say. I think they just want to get to know me more as a person. Um, so, we, yeah, we just talk about, you know, about life or whatever is going on. Um, not really not really baseball stuff. And a lot of people ask me what I prefer, whether it's, you know, hitting or pitching. But other than that, it's just, you know, regular conversations like, you know, uh, on, a, on a daily basis. Yeah. So you say people ask you if you'd rather prefer hitting or pitching. What is it? What's the answer you give them? Uh I mean, as of now, I think it's it's literally 50-50. I can't really choose. Um, I mean, it's just kind of different, you know, different things. Because um, you get you're hitting, you get to do it every day. And pitching, you get to do it every once, every five days. So it's a little different. But because, you know, I'm pitching, you know, I get to kind of just run or kind of run the game a little bit, like a quarterback in football. Um, and then hitting, you know, I just love competing in the batter's box, trying to, trying to ruin a pitcher's day, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah just both awesome. And I, I really can't choose one yet. So we've talked about the PDP. We've talked about the area code. You've also competed in that PG National down in Tampa. Um, so looking at those three events, how would you compare, like maybe one, two, three, some of the, your favorite events out of the out of the three? Uh, the least favorite would definitely be PG National. Um, number one, probably a PDP, and number two, probably area code. Okay. So what would be the reason for PG National being number three? Um. I think I mean it's it was like an it's an individual showcase, so it's kind of solely on what you do. As in, you know, PDP, it's kind of it's a little different. I mean, PDP is, is cool because you get to um, have a chance to compete on the national team. I um, mean, unfortunately, I wasn't invited to that, but um, it's a little it, it just means a lot more. I feel like just playing you know on a team. Um, all, I mean, it's obviously all kind of showcase format, but it was just more fun kind of being around the guys and kind of have having more of a purpose to play for. I'd say. Yeah. So as the as the fall here of your senior year kind of winds down, you're playing in your last fall ball tournaments. Uh, just looking back at your entire travel ball career so far, um, as as your career, travel ball career comes to an end, what are some of the things, some of the best memories that you've had? Maybe some of the the coolest things you've gotten to experience uh, playing travel ball. Yeah, I think it kind of just it kind of started in 12U, I'd say, and it honestly feels like yesterday, but. Um... But, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of all the people I've met through travel ball. It's been pretty crazy. Um, and then, you know, once you're when you're playing, you know, you really don't like those 8 a.m. games and all that. But looking back on it, those are some of the best memories. Um, you know, just checking into a hotel room and then you got a game the next morning at 8. You know, it's just all it's all been awesome. Um, obviously, this summer was pretty special because it was my last. We got to experience all these cool events. But, yeah, I mean, overall, it's been it's been really awesome. And uh, I definitely miss it for sure. Yeah. 
so let's let's move on to your actual high school high school ball just a little bit. So playing down there in Texas, that's got to be one of the top one, two, or third third best state in the United States when it comes to high school baseball. Um, so just take us through what the outlook is on this upcoming spring as you're a senior. Uh, maybe some guys that you lost last year, some guys you're bringing back, and just what are some expectations as you guys uh, lead into the spring? Yeah, so we have so I'm at Hebron High School, uh, which is in Carrollton, Texas, and. We have a we have a really strong team this year. I think we have a lot of returners and uh, guys. We you know we had we had a really good we have a really good team on. Um, I'd say and just a lot of guys that are hungry to win. Um, kind of just a lot of seniors this year. So we're all ready to kind of just end this you know high school you know note on a on a state championship. So I think we have the, we have the talent to do it, and we definitely have the the chemistry to do it as well. So we're excited. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait for sure. So what's what's I mean I mean I'm from Indiana so I've never played obviously never played Texas high school. Everyone always talks about how good it is. So like for on just with on your side of things when you're playing down there like how do you view it? Like are there a lot of guys you're playing maybe week to week that are committed to Power Five, committed to Division One schools, or like like just what's that competition level like down there in Texas? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's definitely. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's very strong. The competition here for sure. Um, a lot of, a lot of guys committed for sure. Um, and then once you get to the crowd gets a lot, a lot bigger. I think my sophomore year, I got to experience it cause it was after COVID. Um, and then it was a, we had a playoff game at, uh, Prosper high school, which is kind of like a big sports school in our area and in, in the DFW Metroplex. And I'm pretty sure there was like 2000 people there or something. It was pretty crazy. And it was, they all had drums out and, it's kind of like a football game. So I got to experience that, which is really cool. But yeah, baseball is big down here and, you know, obviously sports is big as well. So um, it's a lot, a lot of guys who were very talented and uh, have really good, really good competition down here. Yeah. So the last time I talked to a couple uh, t- guys who are from Texas, they were telling me that there's like a period in the school day in the Texas in Texas high schools that you actually get to practice uh, your whatever sport it is, whether it happens to be football, basketball, baseball, whatever sport it is. Um. So, what's that like? Actually, kind of getting to getting to walk away from school a little bit, getting to do some training at, as uh, some of your classmates are still in class. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's awesome because, um, you know, obviously love I like playing baseball a lot more than being in school. Um. But yeah. So I'll have you know first and second period regular, you know, an hour thirty periods each, and I'll go have lunch, and then we'll go to baseball. And then we'll – it's an hour and 30 minutes, so we'll have – we'll usually get, like, a, some sort of practice in, whether it's ground balls, BP, or whatever. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll all go home. And then on Mondays and Thursdays, we have after-school workouts. So we go back um, when school is officially over at 3.30. And then we have uh, – we have we work out for, like, an hour. So it's a lot of baseball, a lot of training, but it's it's awesome. Yeah, so is it only certain guys that have that baseball period, or is it pretty much the whole baseball team that takes part on that? Uh, everybody in the baseball program. So all, all the juniors and seniors, or everyone on varsity. Okay. All right. So um, one question here for you. Um, like I said here early, earlier on in the podcast, you are a 2023 MLB draft prospect. I mean, you're high up there on some of the draft boards. Um, so what's your thoughts when you go ahead and you see your name high on some draft boards? You see your name when they're talking about mock drafts. Uh, just what, what's your mindset when you see that? And just what are your thoughts on the ranking on some of the rankings? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really pay attention to those, you know, draft rankings and all that. Um, I mean, I've seen guys who were ranked, you know, in the top 10, you know, just kind of fall out of the draft entirely. And then some guys who just, you know, really aren't there in, in the winter and they kind of just come out in the spring and um, kind of show everybody up. So, 
um, you know, I like to just, you know, uh, just keep level headed and just keep training and, um, just keep trying to get better every day. And then whatever happens, happens. So I'm not really into you know, the rankings and all that. I don't like to think, I don't like to really, you know, listen to what other people who've seen me only like two or three times this summer kind of evaluate me, whether it's high or whether it's low. So I know myself more than anybody. So, um, I just, I like to just stick to, you know, my, my routines and see where it takes me. Of course. So as you do head into this draft cycle here next July, um, you're not, you're not going to be going about it alone. Obviously you have your family, but you also have your draft advisor. So like I said, before I started recording, that's what I'm trying to be once I graduate. So I kind of like to dig into it with some of the guys I get on the podcast. So, uh, just take, take me through it. What was that advisor selection process? When did advisors start reaching out to you? Yeah, I think, um, a couple of my freshman year or like towards the end of my freshman year and then uh, a couple of my sophomore year. And then last year it really started heating up. So a lot of them would kind of just come to my house and, or we'd have we grab dinner somewhere. We kind of just get to know them as as a as an agent and like an agency. Um, so yeah, we got to just know a bunch of people and we got to know um, people individually. And then uh, we ended up with uh, Andrew Guerra with Rock Nation Sports, and he is uh, he's awesome. He's uh, super close to my family, uh, my mom, my brother, um, and yeah, it's it's it was awesome. But it was a, it was a cool experience for sure. So before deciding on him, what were some of the main ways that some of the advisors were initially reaching out? Were they coming up to you during tournaments? Were they texting you and your parents, giving you a phone call, and maybe even a social media direct message? Uh, what were some of the main ways of the initial the initial contact with some of the advisors? Um, I think it was all a little different. I mean, some people would just uh, leave us a text or a phone call or, um, like you said, like social media. Um, but we'd all you know meet with them eventually um, in person. So. It'd be a lot of dinners, I'd say, a lot of like getting getting food somewhere. Um, but yeah, it was all a little, little different. Um, but basically all the same. Got to meet to see them all in person at, at once. Yeah. So when it did come time to meet in person with some of the advisors, uh, were they showing you presentations or was it just dinners where you guys got to chop it up, talk about what the future could hold? Um, what were some of those conversations like? And uh, just take, I guess, take us through that a little bit. Yeah. So they'd. A lot of them would have presentations on like a iPad or like a handbook or all, all that. Um, but yeah, they would kind of just show us, you know, what I would need to do. Um, uh, kind of just moving forward and then just kind of just showing their their whole agency as a whole, just kind of seeing all their clients and um, just kind of like showing us the social media part and like the marketing side and then the negotiation side and all, you know, like a, there's a whole lot. I mean, I don't even. I can't really remember off the top of my head, but there's a whole lot of things they, they showed us. And then um, just kind of talking to them and getting to know them better. Um, that was the coolest part. Yeah. So before yeah. Decide, before before deciding on your guy from Rock Nation, uh, what were some of the key things that you were looking for in an advisor slash agent? Um, I would say just uh, trust um, for sure. And then just kind of just getting to know everybody kind of kind of personally. And then um, – yeah, it was kind of like it was kind of like uh, the college side too, like kind of college recruiting. It was kind of like kind of a vibe um, whether it was going to work out work work out or not. But, um, but yeah, with Andrew, you kind you kind of feel it right away, and he's um, a super great guy with uh, a lot of a lot of big big time clients before. So um, it came out pretty 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 easy decision. Yeah, that's that's kind of how that's kind of how I feel about with most of the guys I talk about. They talk about how. I mean, even guys who have 15, 20 advisors who are reaching out, they just felt like there's they had there's one guy that they kind of just like vibed and clicked with the best, and it was kind of no brainer for them. So I've kind of over the past year or so, I've kind of I've kind of 
felt that that's kind of like a that's kind of a common thing. But uh, just a just a couple more questions here before before we end off the podcast. So let's move on to some of your on the field play a little bit. You, we've mentioned here before you are a two way player. Um, you said that you kind of like them both 50-50. So let's dig into your hitting approach and some stuff on the mound. Um, so when you are hit, walking up to the batter's box, you're on the on deck circle, maybe watching the pitcher. Uh, what is your hitting approach? What are you trying to do with each at bat? Um, I think it kind of depends on the situation of the game or the pitcher we're facing. Um, kind of a lot of the, the bigger events this summer, like at BDP and stuff, we would face a lot of high velo guys. Um, you know, kind of like low to mid nineties, kind of just kind of getting on you quick with a lot of good off speed. So it would kind of vary, but um, I think for me, I I try to attack early. I don't want to fall behind in the count. I don't like to miss, you know, a first pitch fastball. Um, but I'm more of like a gap to gap hitter. So um, just kind of just kind of picking points and kind of just uh, not guess hitting, but having a good idea what he's going to attack me with and kind of just having a good plan for it. Um, so yeah, just kind of uh, taking good approaches by, you know, picking, you know, maybe the location of the pitch or what he's going to throw and kind of just thinking what he's thinking and I'm um, trying to just put my A swing on it for sure. Yeah. So are you one of those guys that when you do get two strikes on you, you kind of change your approach quite a bit or do you kind of go about it the same way no matter there's zero, one, or two strikes in the count? Uh, it always depends. Um, if the guy's throwing 82, then uh, probably just taking a big hack anyways. But – uh yeah, if, if a guy is you know throwing really hard with a lot of good off speed, maybe maybe a little bit it might choke up on the batter, but the bat a little bit, or it might move up closer to the plate. Um, try to just take away the inside and kind of just um see away. Um, but yeah, kind of all just kind of depends on the pitcher. But uh, I definitely don't like striking out, so that's kind uh, <laughs> of <yeah>. course. <laughs> um, so flip it around to the pitching side of things. Uh, what what is your pitching repertoire, and just kind of t- take us through each one of those pitches. Yeah, so fastball is my favorite pitch to throw, um, uh, and then a curveball, which I like to kind of just um, get ahead and count sometimes, kind of just fool them, first pitch curveballs, um, and then slider is probably my strikeout pitch, and then changeup change is probably my best off-speed pitch, but I like to, I mean, I've been getting better at locating all of them. Um, so I can kind of just go wherever um, and whatever count now, which is very convenient as a pitcher. But yeah, I like just mixing it up there and just competing up there and just kind of have like a bulldog mentality on the on the on the mound. Yeah. So with that four pitch mix, is there a pitch that you're maybe wanting to develop the most here um, this next year or so? Yeah, for sure. The curveball and slider. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a huge you know technology guy, but um, I've kind of gotten introduced to like Rapsodo and TrackMan and those those kind of stuff. So. Um, just seeing the numbers, they're not as good as my fastball or my changeup. So developing that, I think, would be key for me um, to just kind of grow as a pitcher. So are you pretty dead set on the four pitches you have right now, or do you have any uh, any idea in mind of maybe adding a fifth pitch here um, in the near future? Uh, no, I think just as of now, just trying to um, polish each pitch, I think that's more important than adding another pitch because I'm not you – know, like the curveball and slider, I definitely need a lot of work on that. So just kind of – tuning those pitches up and then maybe in the future we'll see, but not, not as of, as of now. Okay. So, so playing in uh, all these big time summer circuit tournaments, playing in the PDP, PG national area code, um, you get to face a lot of great ball players, guys who are definitely five, 10 years down the road. will definitely, will be major league all-stars, maybe including yourself as well. Um, but when you are facing all these top, legit, top tier talent, uh, take us through maybe the hardest couple hitters that you had to face on the mound. And then maybe the couple hardest pitchers 
that you had to face when you were in the box? Oh, um, I th- well, I think uh, I've, I haven't faced Travis Sikora, but he's one of my best friends, and he's uh, – I mean, he's electric in the, on, the, on the mound, so that's probably my favorite guy to watch. But facing-wise, I've faced Cam Johnson. He's also one of my good friends. He's going to LSU, um, but he's been – he was super tough to face. He was like – um, like a lower arm slot, or like a almost like a sidearm lefty, but it comes at at you like ninety four, ninety five. So that was hard to pick up um, on the mound. But I think just facing the hitters, uh, there's a lot of good hitters. Uh, honestly, can't really name one. But uh, Gavin Grohovac, he was he's a really good hitter. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's too many. I can't really decide on one. Yeah, but, I'm sure. I mean, when yeah. you're facing when you're facing lineups who, I mean, one through nine are guys going to, I mean, the the, the best schools in the country. I mean, it, I I'm sure I'm sure it's hard to pick just one. Um, but if you if you were watching your game, let's say you're an area scout watching your game for this 2023 draft, what would be your personal scouting report on yourself? So this can be on the mound, in the box. Uh, playing the field and even interacting with some of your teammates. Uh, just overall, what would be your personal scouting report? I think, um, I think a, a good way to describe me would be kind of like an overall, like a baseball player, not just you know, not just a pitcher, not just a hitter, but a baseball player who can you know affect, uh, who can make a positive impact on a, on a team in a lot of different ways, whether it's on the mound or in the batter's box. Um, uh, I feel like I I put a lot of good th- good things out there for to give my my team a better chance to win. Um, you know, I play good defense, you know, I have pretty good range, uh, good arm in the infield on the mound as well. And then in the box, I feel like I'm pretty consistent. So um just a consistent, just a consistent player and very competitive, I'd say. Yeah. So as you head into your last, your last high school season, uh, you head into that 23 draft, um, head into the fall of going to LSU, whatever that happens to be. Uh, what are some of maybe the stuff, the, the biggest thing that you're wanting to work on in your game that you want to develop the most? before that draft or before you head to campus next fall? Um, I would say, I would say there's one thing I just, I'll, I'll probably just say get more physical because as, as you kind of get higher in the, in the levels, whether it's pro ball or playing the SEC, those guys are a lot, you know, bigger, faster and stronger. So it's definitely probably just getting stronger. Um, and just being a better athlete overall. Okay. All right, MJ, just got a couple more questions here for you. Uh, we've talked about baseball now for about 40 minutes. So as we end it off, let's just move on away from the baseball field just a little bit. Um, so when you're not playing baseball, what would you say would be some of your passions that you have beyond the baseball field? Uh, one, of my, one of my passions is I, I love playing seven on seven football. Um, you know, I love just kind of just being around my friends and just kind of enjoying uh, just kind of just being around everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I spend a lot of time. Spend time with family and friends and then just kind of just cherishing each moment in time because, you know, it's time's going to go, you know, time flies. So just being able to share those moments with everybody, it's just, it's awesome. You mentioned seven on seven football there. So what are you quarterback, wide receiver? What, what, what are you playing when you're, when you're playing uh seven on seven football? Oh, I'm a all time quarterback. I hate I'm just running around back and forth, just getting all gas. So. Yeah, don't have don't have to play defense that way. All time quarterback sounds great to me. Shit, but um, um, so you're from is it is it Plano, Texas? Plano? How do how do you pronounce that? Uh, state yeah, in Texas? Plano. Plano. Plano okay, Texas. so is that kind? Of, you said it's about twenty five minutes north of Texas. I mean, sorry, north of Dallas. Um, so yeah. what are some of your favorite things to do, maybe in Dallas or even in your hometown of Plano? 
Uh, honestly, I don't really do a whole lot. Um, I mean, my day probably consists just of training, you know, going to school, and then just come back home and just sleeping. So I don't really do a whole lot. Like, I don't really go out to, you know, watch movies or just kind of do a lot of stuff. I just, I mean, I guess to maybe just go to the mall every once in a while, uh, walk around. Uh, but I like I like watching baseball games at the new Ranger Stadium. That's definitely one of them. Um, but other than that, there's probably a whole, not a whole lot I, I really do. All right. Well, I got one last question here before we end it off. So name, image, and likeness, that's a new thing that college athletes are able to take advantage of. Um, so with you heading to LSU's campus here next fall, uh, what would be one dream brand that you would love to work with once you are eligible to make money off your name, image, and likeness and endorsements? Uh, let's see. Um, maybe C4 Energy. Ooh. That's a cool, yeah, cool that I use. That'd be C, pretty cool. Yeah, C four C is a good one. I, I think I drink I, I drink maybe about four of those a week before I, before I go do my workouts. I always have to make sure I drink a C four. But oh yeah, C four maybe Chipotle. Chipotle would be sick. Yeah, both 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 good options. Better than better than all the the. I get I I think I get Nike as an answer for like every other player, and I'm just like man, like you gotta gotta change it up just a little bit. It can't be yeah yeah. So those those are both good options, but man. Uh, MJ, really appreciate you coming on the show. That's all the questions I got for you. I uh, want to wish you the best of luck here uh, this spring as you head to your senior year, the draft next year, and when you head to LSU. Um, so just best of luck. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And just really appreciate you being a part of this Arkansas Sticks series that Coach Brewster's helped me put together. Yeah, sir. Sounds good. Yeah, I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR podcast, another weekend of the JKR podcast. Just very thankful to be completing here week number two of the Arkansas Sticks series. Coach Brewster's building one hell of a program. Really want to thank him for helping me put this together. Um, Coach Brewster's just doing it the right way, building good relationships, good genuine relationships with players, the media, advisors, scouts, everybody in, in general. I mean, you can see with his new uh, Coach Brewster, the Coach Brewster show that he's been producing here these past couple of weeks. He just does a phenomenal job with that. Just a very genuine dude. Um, but with that being said, we got some great guests coming on here these next couple weeks as well from the Arkansas Sticks as we continue the Arkansas Sticks series. Um, next week, it's going to be some college guys who've played played at the Arkansas played for the Arkansas Sticks. All the guys have played some high caliber college ball. Um, a couple of the guys have been drafted. Uh, not going to mention names yet, just because nothing has been finalized. Only had one have only done one interview for next week so far. Um, so just to find out who's going to be on the podcast next week from the Arkansas Sticks, check out our social media, check out our website. Social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Website is www.jkrpodcast.com. So check those out. Check to see who's coming on next week. Really appreciate you guys coming on so far. Um, so shoot us a follow, hit the subscribe button, and we'll catch you next weekend.